Gracious Father, please speak to us. We all come this morning with our own fears, our own anxieties, the things that might distract us, the things that are on our minds. Lord, let us be open to your spirit, speaking your truth into our lives. Encourage and equip us in all areas to live kingdom first every day of every week of every year for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. Well, back, I had decided to move my son's dresser from one wall to another wall, just rearranging the room, trying to get better space. And before doing so, I decided it would be smart to go ahead and clean the space where I was going to put the dresser, because I have boys, and they are very messy. And as I started doing that, I realized that one place that does not often get vacuumed is that, like, right, that crease between the wall and the carpet. And I'm looking at that crease, and I'm pretty sure they were just like eating food over that crease and then smashing it into the carpet. There was so much stuff there. And part of what was there is we had gotten our kids for Halloween some plastic black spiders. They were about the size of a quarter. And when I first was doing this, I'm looking over there and I'm bending down to get ready to start moving stuff and I saw those spiders, and I screamed like a little girl. (laughs) Because there were like four or five of them. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is that? And so, oh, it's the plastic spiders. So I've been down, and I'm like moving stuff and doing this. And and as I'm moving, the third or fourth one, (laughs) it went ahead and moved itself. (laughs) And then I screamed twice as loud and as high. It was, oh my God, and as I'm going away, I think it thought maybe it was camouflaged among the other ones, but here's what I was thinking to myself. Ah! That's about all I was thinking. There were four fake things that I was afraid of, and there was one real thing. I don't know if it was poisonous or anything, it probably wasn't, but... It was real, and that, I would argue, is how a lot of our fears are. There was a study done that, through this study, that found out that 60% of what we are afraid of never happens, and of that that happens, 80% of it is not nearly as bad as we thought it was going to be. That there's a lot of things that we are afraid of that are just plastic. It's not real. At the same time, there was the real one. Can I start by saying this? Our fears, while not all of them are founded, some of them are that we have to deal with what is really scary. 
I don't want to stand up here and tell you as a starting point, it's all just plastic. You don't need to worry about the things you're afraid of because some of the things we're afraid of, they're real. Like we really do have to deal with them. And it may only be 20%, but we do have to deal with the 20%. So here's my thing this morning. What do we do with our fear? And as we come in this morning, I want to ask you, right now, what is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you are fearful of? What's causing anxiety in you? What about your work right now is causing you fear? What about a relationship, a health issue, something with your kid? What's causing you fear right now? Because some of our fears are real. Open up your Bible to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to start back a little bit. I'm having you do chapter 9 because we're actually going to start at the beginning or the end of chapter 8, and it's easier to flip that way. Because we need some context. But the disciples truly have something to fear even as all of us do at times. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? So religious leaders, townsfolk, lots of people have been saying things about who Jesus is. They've been questioning, some have rejected, some aren't sure, Now it's time to find out the people that he cares the most about because they're his leaders. I want to know what you guys are going to think. So he says, who do people say that I am? And they said, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. You are the king. You are Messiah. You are the one we have been waiting for. You're the one that's going to restore the kingdom. You're that person. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And then verse 31 is just like a bait and switch. This is where the fear comes in. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, And be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. There is in no way, shape, or form was that ever the plan. There was nobody in the first century who was thinking, when Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen. So much so that the rest of it doesn't even quite make sense to them. And after three days rise again... And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside. All right, picture this. Hey, they're they're on their way. They're in the area of Caesarea Philippi. He's with the 12. He's saying, hey, who do people say that I am? This, blah, blah, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. Okay, well, let's stop for a moment. Let me tell you what that means. It means I'm going to be rejected and suffer and die, and then I'll be raised on the third day. What? And so Peter, and he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside. Come here, Jesus. 
come over here. I'm bringing you away from those guys. I need to tell you something. And he began to rebuke him. Anybody ever rebuked the Lord before? That's quite the gutsy thing there. But I mean, what Jesus has just said is so radical. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. Like, you're the Christ. This isn't what happens. Like, you need no change the plan. This is not the way that it goes down. He's rebuking the Lord. But then notice how Jesus handles it. But turning, okay, so again, they're over here. Peter's like, come over here. Come here. Hey, you can't do that. You're wrong. There's no way. Jesus stops him. He turns to the rest, and he says loudly. He rebukes Peter. Same word. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I'll tell you what, that would have been the exact opposite of what Peter was thinking. No, actually, I've got my mind on the things of God. You're going to triumph. You're going to come in and take over. You're going to restore Israel. You've got this fear thing going on that's very man-made. Like they're going to reject you and hurt your feelings and kill you. No, 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 Lord. No, that's exactly what's going to happen, Peter. And we need to flip your thinking here. And calling the crowd to him. Oh, he's not done. So he's with the 12. Apparently there's other people out here somewhere. Hey, everybody, come here. I got a message and I don't want you to miss it. I want to tell you something you need to understand about who I am and what I'm doing. Here's the message. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, which that's kind of what Peter just did. In this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right, let me just make one thing really clear. What I'm doing here. It's not just I'm coming in, I'm gonna conquer and everything's gonna be beautiful. And hey, just come on into my kingdom. Everyone lounge, I've got some grapes for you. Take up the harps. We're gonna start playing this lovely music and everything's gonna be good. Hey, you need to understand, yes, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, but I'm gonna bring the kingdom in through the cross. And if the kingdom comes through the cross, guess what all my followers are gonna have to do? You're going to have to carry the cross too. Hey, I, this is a challenge. This is a hard thing. This is going to take a lot from you. I'm not offering you just this beautiful, perfect, peaceful life. I'm offering you the cross, self-denial. Can I just say we all have things to be afraid of? And one of those things and the things they're afraid of is what he's saying right now. Oh my goodness, what does that mean? We've got to deny ourselves and carry the cross and you're going to die and you're going to be rejected. Are we going to be rejected? Are people going to hate us? And you know if you've read the rest of the Gospels, he's going to say people are going to hate you. That following after me will not be a cakewalk. It will not be easy. It will bring some kind of rejection, some kind of persecution. 
It's going to cost something because the kingdom came through the cross. And so there is inherent in that, and what the disciples are feeling, there is fear. Fear as part of following Christ, fear as part of life, there is fear. Ann Landers said at one point, she received over a period of time 20,000 letters. And that the number one topic in the letters was fear. No matter what people were asking about, fear was the number one thing, no matter what their circumstance was. And now you've got Jesus saying, to follow me, you have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself. Fear, it's all over the place. So here's the thing I want you to know. Fear is a real thing. Now, I guarantee you, some of what you're afraid of is not real. But some of what you're afraid of is real. And that following Christ, there is something fearful in that, if we're being honest. And somebody will say, yes, but, but it's Jesus. Everything is good, and, and he loves me, and I know. But he still says you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. And that can be scary, right? So what do we do about it? Here is the main message I have today. Fear does not have to be the final word. That there is a way in and through fear. Because I will tell you this, you cannot just go around it. You cannot just pretend it's not there. You can't just, ah, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to do this thing over here. Because real fears are real things. And Christ had to go through something. And so do we. How? So back in 1891, the White House had electricity installed for the first time. Electric lights. Wouldn't that be cool? You can like actually turn a light on and boom, there is light. No more lamps and things. Except the president was so afraid of being electrocuted that he would only let servants turn the lights on and off. Nobody in his family was allowed to touch the lights because he was so afraid they would be electrocuted. And it is said that on more than one occasion, after a late night when servants were no longer around, that the entire family would sleep with the lights on. That the second story of the White House would have lights on in rooms because they would not turn them off, even to go to sleep. That kind of fear does not have to be the final word. That there is something that you and I can do that will let us go into our fear and through it. Now, last week, I gave a sermon that had like very little structure that is normal for a sermon. This week, I have the epitome of a three-point sermon. I want to give you three steps to get in and through 
fear coming right out of this text. Number one, and it is foundational, if you do not have this step, you will not get the others. Number one, you are loved by God. Unconditionally, always, forever, through everything, you are loved by God. And here's your first step. You need to believe that love. Keep reading with me. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Um, he is talking to Peter, James, and John when he says there are some standing here. And every gospel connects this to what happens next. That what he says is there are some standing here right now who before they die, they will see the power of the kingdom. Why is that important? Because what he's about to show them is the victory that is to come. What they're about to glimpse is glory that is going to happen. They're gonna see that no matter what they go through, the end result is victory. But here's the thing. There's a reason he shows it to them. There's a reason God is doing what he's doing. It's because of his love. This next scene does not need to happen. It is only taking place because he knows on the heels of what he's just said, they are afraid. They have something to fear. They don't even know what it looks like. All they know is they're gonna have to deny themselves and take up their cross and they may have to forfeit their lives. And so he's about to show them a glimpse of the glory that is to come. And he does it because he loves them. And if, I'll tell you this, I believe he's also showing it to Jesus because Christ is gonna have to go through this thing. And Christ will be in the one in the garden later on who's gonna be on his knees who's saying, please, let this cup pass from me. And here is a moment of encouragement Here's a moment of seeing what is to come, to know that what I go through now means something. The glory is coming. The foundation of everything we do. He sent his son because he loves us. He gave you his spirit poured into our hearts according to Romans 5 because he loves us. He gave his son who would die while we were sinners because he loves us over and over again because he loves us. That has got to be the foundation. You've got to trust that love in order to do the rest of what I'm going to say because if you don't, you'll doubt the rest of it. And I can tell you what it means to be unconditionally loved and I know by God we all kind of have that, but there is a kind of love that we can experience here and now that at least gets close to it. And I want to show you what the outworking is. Here is one thing that I know, and it's probably true for every couple in this room. My wife and I do not agree on everything. Isn't that crazy? There are times... We actually argue. You believe that? 
There are times where we hurt one another's feelings. But here's the one thing I know absolutely. No matter what I go through, she will go through it with me. And it doesn't matter how much we've messed up or, you know, when we're in a fight. Or, I know that what I go through, she's going to go through it with me. And if she will do that, how much more, God? I am with you always to the end of the age. No matter what you go through, he's going through it with you. Start with the foundation that he loves you because here's the next step. You need to listen to the voice of Christ above every other voice in your life. Keep reading. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. That was the sum that was standing there. And he led them up on the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. You're getting a glimpse of glory right now. It is coming through him and is shining in a way that says, that is what glory is. This is that moment that he's going to be at. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Probably representations of the Old Testament. Moses the law and Elijah the prophets, because everything speaks to Christ. It all points to him. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. All right, now, we know in a moment that, he, that we get this parenthetical comment from Mark. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's so afraid because what does fear do to us? It makes us stupid sometimes, right? Fear makes us stupid. And here's Peter, and he's like doing something that in one sense is stupid and in another it is not. But he's kind of like not knowing what he's doing because I'll tell you something else. Please hear this. The way in which our loving God works in our lives is sometimes scary. Sometimes the very things that he's doing are things you're going to want to run from because they are scary. And yet, right now, he's working in their lives to show them that what they're going to go through leads to something. And they're afraid of it. Because the glory of God in all of its majesty can be scary. But here's what Peter's probably doing. One of the festivals that they celebrated was the Festival of Booths. And part of the Festival of Booths was a looking forward to the kingdom coming. It was a reminder. They would get these temporary shelters and they'd go live in them for a week. And they're reminded that it is God who brought them out of the Exodus, not them. No matter how well they're doing in the land, it was God who did this. And they were reminded that God is coming back for them. And likely what Peter has, even though he's not quite thinking of it, is, oh, let's make booths. This is the festival because this is the coming of the kingdom. The one thing Peter might have right and wrong at the same time is the kingdom is here now, completely. Here it is. Here's glory. Boom, let's, make the, let's keep you guys here. Let's make the booths for you because this is what we've been celebrating and looking forward to. But here's the problem. Number one, it's probably not the time of year for that. Number two, that's not really the point at all. And number three, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are all equally given a booth as if they are all the same. 
And I will tell you, the voice of Moses is really significant. You should listen to that voice. And the voice of Elijah is really significant. He's a major prophet. You should listen to that voice. But the voice of Jesus is always higher. And that's why this happens. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. What voices are you listening to? What voices are feeding your fear? For some of us, it's our own internal voice. We're running all the scenarios over in our heads. We're seeing all the ways that we can't fix things. We're seeing all the ways they turn out badly. For some of us, it's the voice of somebody else. It's that comment that was made, and you keep replaying it. You can't get it out of your head. You keep thinking about what they think about you, and you're afraid. What is the voice that you are hearing? What's the voice that's stronger than the other voices that is driving your fear? Because what God would say is, this is my beloved son, listen to him above every other voice. When you have those other voices, whether they are yours or somebody else's, there's a stronger voice that says, I am with you. There's a stronger voice that says, in your weakness, I am strong. There's a stronger voice that says, nothing, nothing can separate you from me. There are, there's a stronger voice in Christ. That's the voice we need to hear. That is the voice we need to go to when our fears are too much. But we won't go there if we don't believe that we are unconditionally loved. Because when we believe that, then we can also go, you know what, I am afraid, I keep hearing these things, I keep replaying these scenarios. Instead, I'm gonna go into your word. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna start repeating to myself, you are with me always. You are with me always. I am weak right now and I do not have answers, but in my weakness, you are strong. Lord, be strong. Be strong in me right now because I need it. I can't do this without you. You are strong. And I'm gonna get my mind on him and on his words, not on all the other voices that are around me or in me. So about a dozen years ago or so, I used to run. And I somewhat liked it and I somewhat hated it. Um, we were having a conversation at one point and a bunch of people that are older than me were all talking about the fact that their knees had gone out and they could no longer run. And they were upset by that. And I said, my knees went out and I was excited because I didn't have to run anymore. It's kind of how I feel about running. But here was the one thing that was true. I knew that I would get to a point in my run where my body would be saying, I'm done. You need to quit now. You hurt, you're tired, you got a sciatic, whatever. My mind would start going, do you really need to go that extra two miles? Like you've done a lot, can you just stop? I'm tired, be done. Do you know what got me over that? I had a handful of songs that were like power running songs. They had the right lyrics, 
like, would get me going. And I would make sure that those songs were all together on a playlist in my ears. And when I got to that point where I'm ready to give up, I don't care what song I was on, I would fast forward to those. Because I know that as long as I'm hearing those things, man, I'd power through. I'd keep going. They would encourage me. I'm like, yes, I am going. We need Jesus headphones. They get on, you play the Jesus voice so that it's telling you what is true about you and about him and about the universe and reality so that we get through those times because, and here's my last thing, if glory comes to the cross, you have to go through your suffering. You can't go around it. You can't just ignore it. You have to go through it. Christianity never claims that it will just make everything okay. As long as you believe in Jesus, you won't get sick anymore. You're gonna have all the finances you can need. You're gonna have peace all the time because you got Jesus. No. If you have Jesus, you have a guy who suffered. You have a guy who was rejected. He was mocked. He was beaten. He went to a cross. If that's your savior and your king, and you're gonna follow him, guess what your life may be? Like his. Suffering is part of the kingdom right now. And I can tell you when we go through it, it brings us closer to God or we give up and it takes us away. There's not really a neutral ground. Nobody goes through suffering and stays the way they were. You either go through it and you draw closer to God because you know he loves you and you keep listening to his voice and you know, you're not shocked that you're going through this because this is what people go through. Or you have a very bad theology that says God just makes everything okay, and since God isn't making everything okay, he must not be real, I'm gonna go do something else. But that is never the message of Christianity. In fact, here's what I think. I think Peter, James, and John would have been grateful to stay on the mountain forever. We got the glory. Everything is good. No more suffering. Except, unfortunately, they had the next verse. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only, and as they were coming down the mountain. They had to come back down. He wasn't done. He wasn't done with them. He wasn't done with his mission. This was a glimpse. Church, we have glory coming, but the cross comes before it. He had to come back down the mountain, and every one of us, same thing is true. We are going to have times where God gives us a glimpse of his glory, of his love, of his beauty. There are going to be times where God does something so amazing in your life that it may bring you to tears. But you can't stay on the mountain. You have to come back down. Because it's in coming down that he continues to transform. It's in coming down that you see your Messiah for who he is. Do you know if you had no suffering, you couldn't relate to Christ? If everything was okay all the time, you would not know who he is because he suffered. And so when we are suffering, we're actually knowing him in a way we cannot know when we do not suffer. And we are drawing closer to him and we are moving towards glory. 
because glory is coming. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who said, listen to my son over every other voice, even Elijah and Moses. And we have a God who says, the suffering you're going through, I know, and it's part of what you need to go through. But I am with you. Listen to my voice, and glory is coming. Don't give up. Glory is coming. We are called to go through our fears. We're called to go through the tough things in our lives and to know that God is still there. And I want to say something to the people that I know of in this room. At this moment, at this season, you're going through some of the hardest things right now. God loves you. The voice of his son wants to speak into your life right now. And he wants to keep speaking. But you have to listen. He won't just overwhelm you. He will speak as you surrender. He will speak as you're listening. And what you are going through is leading to glory. Now, that doesn't make it all okay. I'm not telling you just to go, oh, great, everything's good then. I'm just telling you that there is hope. I'm telling you there is a way through. Will you take that way? I have about five ways to end this sermon. But none of them seem appropriate. They all kind of seem trite right now. I'm kind of, I'm silenced because I'm like, no, 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 not quite. Church, he went through all of it. And he says, I am your faithful high priest. Come to the throne of grace and keep coming. Just keep coming. Because he'll answer. He will answer. I know because he answered in my life. And the answer may not be what you wanted. But he will be what you need. And your final answer you got a glimpse when he was transfigured. Glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. May we find in it the encouragement you intend for us. May we see in it the love you have for us. And Lord, by your spirit, you say you pour your love into our hearts. I am praying for people right now. I'm praying for those who are suffering the most I'm praying for those who are in a joyful place. I'm praying for those who don't even know you. Lord, that you might pour your love into their hearts. That they might know the love of the God who made them. And have a path to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.